Expectations matter. What do you expect from an SUV? Versatility? A range of sizes built to fit your life? A range of exteriors that all invite stairs? Or being able to take control of more than just the wheel? Expectations matter, but exceeding them matters more. How we get there matters. The Audi family of SUVs. Progress you can feel. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, there were 19 kids, but there were many more secrets inside the Duggar home. How did a little-known religious movement shape the high-profile Christian family? We'll discuss shiny, happy people from Prime. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband, and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hi, Kevin. Hey, that is the way they do it, right? They have to speak like really softly. Well, you basically have to get out of me any spirit that I have and like and make me a non like remember how Michelle You're gonna have to teach me how to do that. Michelle was a cheerleader. She knows how to yell. She knows how to she I know she knows how to yell. But now she just talks like this all the time. Uh. You know, 19 kids, I would hope at least one time you got her to yell. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of Cozy Mysteries, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. And Uh finally, our resident Doubting Thomas, the author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of Strange Arrivals, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hey, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. So, Kevin, I'll go on the record and say that is the only time I will Mm -hmm. ever make fun of a woman's voice on this podcast. Oh, it's it's the way they talk. It's not like her actual voice voice. Oh, yeah. But that shit was bananas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. It was contextual. I did. I did it. You did it. You can go ahead and at me about that one. All right, so Kevin, this is obviously Monday's podcast. Obviously. What is happening on next Monday's program? Well, on next Monday, we're going to be talking about the new podcast series from Crawl Space. It's called Dark Valley. And that one is a story that's somewhat local to us, right? That valley is the Connecticut River Valley, and yes. it's the Connecticut River Valley killer. And I know Laura Bricker's all over this. <gasps> Oh, I know. That's a really old case. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, I went to high school. One of my three high schools I went to, there was a kid in my high school. His mother was one of the victims. Oh. Yeah. Well, you need to go into your Slack right now because I just I just <gasps> sent you a link to all the episodes. Oh, my. Oh, who did that podcast? Crawl Space. Crawl Space, the folks behind oh. Missing Maura Murray. And we actually met the reporter and producer who worked on it last summer at Obsessed Fest. And she was lovely. Kevin, I'm I excited. I heard a clip and it was, it's, it's sounds really high quality and interesting. So. I, I'm excited to talk about it because I just love the way you pronounce Connecticut so much. Connecticut? <laughs> I am I'm excited about that. All right. So there's also I, Nevada. All right. So Kevin, I am really excited to talk about the thing that we are talking about in this podcast. I don't want to do a lot of chit chat. Would it be okay with you if we just got into it? I hope so. Yes, it would be. Let's go ahead and drop that first clip right now. Leading off. I don't really like to even talk about it because it's not something that I'm proud of. I look back and I think, you know, my parents did such an amazing job. If I hadn't felt obligated to like, one, do it for like the sake of the show and two, do it for like the sake of my parents, I wouldn't have done it. America, or at least some of it, was fascinated with the lives of the Duggars, a devout Christian family with 19 children and their own reality TV show. While they projected an image of wholesomeness on screen, off screen, the Duggars tried to cover up allegations their son Josh had molested his sisters. How did you first learn that there was a problem with Josh? He was just curious about girls and he had gone in and just basically touched them over their clothes while they were sleeping. They didn't even know he had done it. And so I don't remember that's the way that happened. He wasn't really honest totally in that interview. And that thing about sending Josh to an IBLP facility wasn't true. The Duggars' views on marriage, education, and child-rearing were formed by the Institute of Basic Life Principles, 
a radical religious organization that espoused obedient children and subservient wives. Its practices shaped the Duggar household, in which their growing kids were oppressed and groomed to be victims. Loyalty can be demonstrated only in adversity. Think about that. Think about what that teaches. Teaches you that you have no way out. And no matter what they do, loyalty will shine through in adversity. How messed up is that? The four-part Prime docuseries Shiny Happy People, Duggar Family Secrets, looks at the truths hidden in plain sight about the ultra-conservative reality TV family. It also explores how the IBLP informed the Duggars' worldview and how its purity culture is masking misogyny and sexual exploitation. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from shiny, happy people. So if you want to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. So Laura, we know right away from the beginning of this documentary, this is not going to be an all outside look, we're going to be getting some tea from inside the Duggar family, are we not? Yeah. So we, you know, this starts and it starts right off with Jill Dillard from Jill Duggar, now Dillard and her husband, Derek, and they are sitting down. Um, This is one of Jim Bob and Michelle's children. And like basically her childhood was being on TV and they sit down and they are right up front. We know like, okay, We've got people from inside the family that are now willing to tell the real story. And we hear about her pregnancy, her childbirth, how they want her to film the childbirth. But she is really a central figure in this from right up front. And so it's one of those where you're like, we're really going to learn what was happening there now that these people have some perspective and some distance to talk about what they went through. Yeah, I mean, doing an interview like this isn't easy and like I didn't want to do it. There's a lot there that, like, do I want to open that can of worms? It's just hard to go through. There are a lot of families in a similar situation, but it was very different in the sense that, like, my family was on television. I just want to talk a little bit about why the Duggars got a TV show, why they became famous. Okay. I have um, a theory about this that I think is a little bit different maybe than yours, Kevin, and I'd love to ask you about your theory about this. Mm-hmm. I think... And I, you know, I've read a little bit about this. Uh, there's also a show, by the way, called like Chrisley Knows Best. Yes. Which is about this like rich family with these like very strange parents and these like weird kids. And like, They're in jail now. Yeah, they're in jail yeah. for like tax shit. Exactly. But there is this whole genre of TV that is actually built to appeal to basically like Christian people, mm-hmm. but also to non-Christian people on two different tracks. Like Christian conservative people are supposed to look at these TV shows and say, oh, look at this aspirational version of who we are. And then sort of non-Christian, non-conservative people look at them and say, oh, look at these people who are different than who we are, but they're not so different from us in some ways. And it sort of normalizes things about them that are actually not normal in any way. There's actually a really interesting article about this that I read about a year ago that that sort of discusses this, actually, especially around the Chrisleys and like how they became famous. And it was about sort of that programming mindset at like TLC and Discovery in particular. Um, Why do you think America was fascinated by the Duggar family in particular? Well, I mean, I think the the shorthand is that, I mean, most Americans like who were familiar with the Duggars would be like, oh yeah, it's that religious family. They got 19 kids and their lives are different than ours. But it's like, it could be a reality show about the Amish or about any kind of subculture that is sort of Mainstream, we call mainstream Americans don't know a lot about, right? So they're like, no, that's the fascinating thing. And people are going to watch 19 Kids. Oh, it's going to be chaos and a lot of laundry and shit like that. But what they never really stop to think about is why their life is like that. And they just go as deep as saying, oh, it's because they're religious and they don't believe in contraception, right? But she's not octomom, right? She just continues to have babies on purpose. And it's actually, there's this whole other worldview that is behind this that we don't even really stop to think about it. And it's actually very important. It's more than just, ha ha, they've got more than a dozen kids. It's this whole other thing that we actually, we get into, they're serious. They've got some serious problems on their own, but this whole I, B, P, L, T, whatever the 
fuck the thing is, that's very concerning too. The Institute in Basic Life Principles, which at face value sounds like the Boy Scouts or something. Right. But they make it, I will tell you what these shows do is they make it palatable and fun. They do. That, that's what they try to do. They make it like the Duggars seem. It's like John and Kate plus eight, right? Super mm. dysfunctional fucking couple who had like, what, septuplets or whatever or, or six. And they weren't ultra religious. They were just a very dysfunctional, unhappy couple who happened to have sextuplets after having twins or whatever. Yeah, it's like, oh, had. you have eight? Well, we'll top that on our next and show. They, and they hated each other and the whole drama. Horrible. But it. it but. They are trying to bring levity to this very unusual situation, but they are actually on the actual fringes in a way that, that these, this show is normalizing. So, Toby, when you just like know those facts and you see it laid out bare in the documentary, because I know you're not a person who probably was super familiar with like 19 Kids and Counting, right? Just guessing. No, no. I, I mean, I, I mean I've you seen never them on like Avatar, the cover of so People magazine in the... Yeah. 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 So whatever. you've seen People magazine <laughs> at the drugstore. You go to a drugstore occasionally. <laughs> wow. Occasionally, when so what, I need some gummy bears. Thoughts? Okay, what are your go ahead. Thoughts? Some Haribos. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts? Like, just when you know that there is a platform, a mainstream, and by the way, like HGTV, like this guy, this is not a small like. Tens of millions of people watch this fucking television show. This is way more popular than Succession. Way more popular than anything we review on this show. What are your thoughts about just knowing that like this fringy, culty thing has been platformed in this way? Well, you know, it's kind of weird. Like if your only interaction with this is watching this documentary, because I don't know how uh, representative like the clips they show or the way they, they kind of portray the way things go in it are because just on the face of what you see, it's so bizarre, like all this stuff about they can't kiss before they're married and yeah. the way the things are delegated where like 14 year olds are taking care of their little baby sisters, but not the boys. And I, I don't know what it would feel like watching it and like thinking it all about what you're actually seeing on the screen and what that actually represents for how people are living their lives. I actually had no idea that they were religious fundamentalists. And so I started watching this and then it was like made a little more sense, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I think that's what it, it kind of came across as like, it, even if it's not intentionally this, it is a hundred percent propaganda for a certain set of pretty out of the mainstream religious beliefs. It, you know, it's hard to tell in this, like how big is this really? Like they kind of make it sound like it's big, but of course, that's kind of what you need to do if you're making something like this. Cause if it turns out, it's just like some small little deal. Uh, it, it's not that exciting a show, but I don't know. I mean, I, it, it's hard for me to believe that you would have a show like this about, you know, Kevin was kind of listing off these other sort of subgroups, but it's, it's kind of interesting to think about what subgroups are sort of acceptable to have a show like this, where it's like, aren't they, you know, isn't this interesting? Let's see the way these other people live but it seems like there's a fairly narrow group. And I think you like, like you could probably do one about Mennonites and people would be fine with it or whatever. I think if you did one about like FLDS, FLDS, the reaction would be quite different, even though I don't think that those people's beliefs are like much more radical than, than some of the stuff that's going on here. I thought the other kind of interesting thing, and you know, my thoughts about a subculture uh, is that, <laughs> Again, it's like, how do people within that culture for whom the Duggars are like, I would assume like they've got this one preacher. He's not even a preacher. He's just some dude. But this guy Gothard, who who kind of runs this larger kind of sect, despite not being an actual minister. But the fact that what's his name? Jim Bob, Jim Bob Duggar. Like he's like by far the most famous person if this kind of religious thing but you know the fact that his best friend is like super questioning of the way he kind of did his thing and seeing these little riffs uh and how the celebrity kind of warps the way that that jim bob is perceived to be sort of this out of the mainstream but also run for office i I don't know there's there's a lot of interesting stuff i don't i don't think it's interesting in a really a good way 
No, but it's, it it's is. interesting. It's not interesting in a good way, but it is interesting because this whole movement, this quiverful movement, is about white people taking over the world. <laughs> That's what it is fucking about. That was the part that I think that was most terrifying to me is when we got through all the fucked up stuff about the family itself and we get into the section about the young people, the Joshua generation and the TikTok influencers. And then we see the one guy who's been, you know, elected into, it was a Senate, right? Or Madison Cawthorn, a congressman. Oh, God. Yeah. My favorite bizarre congressman of all time, only because he was so bizarre that every day the news he got worse so and worse. He is so bizarre. Worse, yes. um, but I also loved that the ones that were so like hardcore about like, you know, you're this, you're that, you're not they, them, you're the pick one or the other. And then they're like, yeah, but we met on Tinder. I'm like, yeah, fuck off. Well, that's the thing. This is what disturbs me about that TikTok couple, okay? And I just, this is an aside, but it is true. Henry introduced me to this whole subculture on TikTok. It's, it's like this whole trad wives thing. Uh, trad isn't traditional right. wives, trad wives. Well, oh. and it's just, it's not just wives, but it's the trad wives things. It's also girlfriends. It's kids in high school. It's like this whole fucking thing. There is this new resurgence of like what you saw with that TikTok couple of this play acting of this Duggard culture among non-fundamentalist, non-religious young people where they are adopting this mentality of female subjugation and male dominance. And it's become like a look what I do all day as a, as a kept girlfriend. And that's a TikTok video. And it just shows a beautiful woman all day doing laundry and waiting for her boyfriend to get home. And it is, it is so frightening because it's basically normalizing Duggard culture into even non-fundamentalist life on a platform like TikTok. It is fucking terrifying. So the role of the wife is to submit to your husband's, which, ooh, scary word, submit. Very scary. <laughs> it's a choice to submit. I think it piggybacks on the fact that you have Josh facing all of these allegations. I mean, it's horrible. But then Jim Bob's like running for office and like all this other stuff is happening. It's like they, there's like no accountability and no slowing down and no reflecting on how bad this is because they are so singularly focused on their goal of like this, like takeover. Right. So Kevin, the culture of needing to obey, right? Yeah. That, that creates a breeding ground for abuse. Yeah. There was this thing about, they explained the thing with the umbrellas and, you know, it's sort of this visual where they're like the, the children and they're under the umbrella of the mother or wife and then the wife is under the umbrella of the husband. You know, it's a bigger umbrella. And then the biggest umbrella is God. And if you step outside of those umbrellas, you're going to get rained on by the devil. And so what, what that creates is either intentionally or not, it does sort of like create this uh, environment in which one can be victimized because they have been taught since infancy to obey Then You're not going to do the thing that, you know, we, we hope that folks will do, which is to come forward. And, and tried to seek help and, you know, uh, seek justice. But, you know, it's like you just if everything is like, no, you just have to obey the your authority, your father. You've got to obey him for stuff about who does the fucking laundry. You're certainly not going to come forward and say, you know, my older brother is molesting. me. Yeah. Now, it I feels talk pretty a little... fucking on purpose. <laughs> yeah. OK. Be yeah. quite honest. It does. It does. So does the corporal punishment how-to videos and how-to classes of how to not get in trouble with CPS and how to beat your kids in a way. I mean, Toby, like... Michael Michael and Debbie Pearl, who they have on, who I, I, I will not comment on their appearance because it'll be uh, mean, but, you know, they're essentially there about... I mean, their whole shtick apparently is you got to beat the shit out of your kids to break their wills, right? And that's their thing. And they certainly, they don't come across as, you know, we're doing it out of love for you. They come out of it as a like, kind of like Old Testament, like, we're going to fucking beat the devil out of you and then you'll be compliant. Uh, and then there's this like super weird, creepy thing where this old guy is like, how to 
deliver corporal punishment with love? I'm going to spank you. So lean over here right now. Now, Jason, you're a fine boy. You're going to grow up to be an outstanding man. God's hand is on your life, son. Now, okay, let's see. You understand? Did you understand now? Okay, well, give Daddy a hug. The whole thing was so insanely creepy. It's like very, very difficult to watch. Yeah. And the entire place is just like clapping and cheering. Mm -hmm. And it's like, my God, like how, you know, this shit has been so indoctrinated into people that they, you know, you're, you're basically watching this super problematic behavior taking place on stage in front of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who are fucking eating it up with a spoon thinking that it's like, this is godliness and it's just freaking bizarre. And that gets me back to my point. Mainstream America, not the people who are already fundamentalists and who are watching the Duggards and saying, hey, oh, those are our people. Look at them on TV. Regular people just like us who are watching this show and being amused by it are watching these kids and thinking, wow, you know, there might be something to this because look how lovely these kids are. Look how helpful they are. Look how mm-hmm. sweet they are. Look how like polite they are. Look how like, com- you know, look how like compliant. nice they are. I think it's well, compliant. I was going <laughs> to say they're compliant. having sex with their tampons. No, but like, look uh, how, but look how, but like. That part was so disturbing I to me. I know, but uh, what you see on television on the show is 19 children all standing around playing the violin together. And like, if you don't know anything about any of this, you turn it on and you're like, you know, this family might be a little bit of a freak show, but look how nice all the kids are. Well, what parent, like, you know, in their actual living room, they've got kid like running through screaming with like red paint on their hands. And, <laughs> right. You know, and you're like, oh, wouldn't it be great if you had, you know, a whole household of, of kids that were just sitting there quietly? Because if they did, then you could just like spend your time listening to all this content on Patreon. Oh, yes. And not be disturbed by your bratty kids That's who are true. not behaving. That's true, Kevin. You could. That's true. That was a very good transition. Let's not dwell on how you could get your kids to do that so you could listen to our Patreon content. Now, why don't we just talk about what's behind that paywall, shall we? Yeah, we don't have to spank you to tell you that you could join us at Patreon. Oh, keep shaking your head. Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. No. You get episodes of Crime Writers on early and ad-free. As soon as Rebecca hits save on that file, it goes right into it's your special. Like a day special. early, sometimes two. Yeah. Why not? Why not? What, what are we all in it for? As soon as Livy sends the shit to me, I, I mix it and I put it up there. Yeah, so it's all on Livy. It's all on Livy. Uh, Liv, come on. You also get great stuff like the Crime Writers on After Show, Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast, and Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker podcast. You know, in Exeter, they have a uh, a lawyer who argued in front of the Supreme Court. Yes. Cool. And the lawyer also plays the organ We don't church. even know what she argued for, but it sounds interesting. I'm sure she was on it the right side. It sounds interesting. <laughs> She wasn't arguing. I have no idea she wasn't what it arguing was about. for like uh, sister wives. <laughs> We're going to find out you? that she was arguing like the most evil case in the world. <laughs> I cannot wait to find out what horrible, evil thing she was arguing for, and that we've been like clapping for her for the last like several weeks on the show. It's okay. I'll get to the bottom of it. <laughs> we also have um, our podcast called Married with Podcast, in which we give out advice, relationship advice, marriage advice, parenting advice. One thing you probably don't have to do is get a literal rod and start smacking your children. No, never. To tell them. Never do that. You don't want that toy, little boy. Smack, smack, smack. You don't have to do that. You should never do that. Yeah, end of podcast. Uh, But on the next episode, we're going to bring in my daughter, Lily, so she can talk more about her terrible situation that her friend is in. Yep. Let's just say that it it regards Lily being sucked into putting on the- It is Duggar adjacent. It is Duggar adjacent. Who wants to go to that wedding? I know she doesn't, even though she's going to have to buy a dress. Okay. All right, Kevin, before we wrap up the business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Julia Garcia and Amber Owens. Oh, Julia and Amber. Bless both of you. Bless you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Bless you to those who don't. And bless you to everyone who muscles through the business section, whether you do or don't support us on Patreon. Kevin... Should we go ahead and fade that music out right now? Sure. Toby, go ahead and fade that music out. I'll do that. So, Laura, 
Yes, Rebecca. Just as an adjacent, completely unrelated to this conversation, conversation, can we talk a little bit about the Duggar lifestyle? Like what's in the tater tot cost casserole? <laughs> First of all, they built a giant house that was clearly built just for their television show because there's yeah. literally a parking lot next to it, which I assume is for the camera crew and all the people who have to show up to the TV show, right? They're like, we're going to have 19 cars eventually. Literally every time you see a show, a backup view of their house, there's a parking lot instead of a driveway. Second, the food. Yeah. Thoughts? Well, oh, yeah. Now, I was, I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot of dimensions to this this show about this family and, and things that happen. But early on, I mean, this is why people were fascinated by the show, the 19 Kids and Counting show, because you're like, this is crazy. Like, they show them going to the grocery store with these giant carts of food, and they're like, and here's five things of giant tomato sauce, and now we're going to make this. And they have these giant chafing dish things like you see in a restaurant. And the women are doing the work in the kitchen. Um, I have some questions about the bloomers, the sack dresses, the saving the first kiss for marriage. I mean, there are the so many collars. The, yeah, so many things going on. But I think the thing that most stuck with me was um, was that tater tot ground beef casserole. Oh. I mean, was anyone else interested Not in that? Not going to lie, Kevin uh, would eat that shit. I would give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if they'd serve me because I'm, I sometimes fall into those eye traps. Oh, oh, I forgot about the eye traps. Yes, the that was booklets. the other thing. The educational booklets. Okay, I'm going to throw something out there. I am certain that some of our listeners might homeschool their kids. I'm probably not talking about you right now. But the way this documentary goes at the homeschool culture of this particular vein, for me, is particularly satisfying. Yeah. I mean, there are good reasons. There are good reasons to consider homeschooling. It usually has to do like with academic or environmental reasons about their actual school. But the Duggars and the IBLP, like it's not just like the hubris, like, well, we can do better than public school teachers. They are being taught nothing but these pamphlets year after year. And so it's like it's the kind of indoctrination they accuse public school teachers of doing. It's literal indoctrination. Can you imagine graduating an entire class of students who can't do math or science? The Duggars can. The Duggars can, sure. I actually know a bunch of people in New yeah. Hampshire who can, because in New Hampshire, there are no rules for homeschooling. You can literally just say that your kids are in school and they're not. Uh, so, Toby, what did you think about the pamphlets and all the educational I thought they were awesome. They provide? I think <laughs> yeah. it's bringing us back <laughs> to the things that are really important to know. Like, if somebody's showing a little lower calf, that's an eye trap. Um, <laughs> no, it's just really, I mean, it's... You know, so there's like a certain kind of cult that has like merchandise that you have to purchase in order to like follow the tenants or whatever, just Mm -hmm. like live a life according to that cult. And this is like one of those in that, you you know, you have to buy workbooks to like learn how to do these things. And they're bizarre. And like some of these little quotes they have where I I didn't write any of them down. They were pretty funny. But my favorite part of the whole thing of the whole sort of like merch you could buy around uh, this cult was this game, this board game they had. Like you can play the game of life or Monopoly or anything. They have this game and it's like, you know, there's like the pit of humiliation and like the sea of like unending despair. I mean, it just, it was just, we have to get it. We have to get it. I would, I, I think at some Patreon level, people can watch us play this like every Thursday night. Somebody really turns shooting ladders way the hell up. Anybody listening to this has that game because they used to belong belong to this or has, please send it to us so that we can play it. We will play it as content on this podcast for you. (laughs) It's it's nuts. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's really. Like all jokes aside, like you can see like from the the people who've left the fold, like the the fairly young people, like most of these people seem like they're in their twenties or thirties. And and they just, you know, they're starting their adult lives at this insane handicap, which is they don't know anything, right? They Correct. they don't know anything that's useful. Like you go food shopping, like how can you even estimate how much you're gonna end up paying at the end or, you know, outside of this little freaking cult and, and people who are in it. Like, how do you even interpret conversations with, with other people in the world? Yeah. If you just don't have like just the very, very, very basics of education. And instead you've got, you know, you don't want to look at a woman in her ankles because you know, that's ungodly. So you, 
It's very strange. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we actually have friends who have someone in their family who belong to this Quiverful movement. And what's interesting to me about that family is that the dad has like a real job. Like he's like a computer programmer something, dude. And his wife doesn't. She's like the stay-at-home mom to their like, you know, nine or whatever kids. And um, none of the kids have any education. And like, it seems like the whole purpose almost is to keep everybody down. But then what are they going to do? Like, how are, th- if, if the whole purpose is to make the boys that then they can be in charge and keep people down, the boys don't fucking know anything either. How, how can like, you make like money a- <laughs> to support 15 kids if you have zero education? Do you know what it's like? It's like how the shakers are celibate. Right. It's like, guys, this is not a good way to keep on your community. <laughs> so so could just we have to talk briefly about Josh Duggard because that's a lot of what this is about. And we haven't talked about him yet. And I, I want to keep it tight only because, like, obviously there's a lot in the news about it. My very strong feeling about Josh Duggard, and obviously this is speculation on my part because the documentary doesn't get into this at all. And I, And this is the one area where I feel like it's a missed opportunity. Josh Duggard started molesting his sisters when he was a kid, which to me screams. Like 12 or younger, right? Which to me screams that he was probably abused. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Yeah, 100%. And I am like, who did that to Josh Duggard? Not that I'm saying like, poor Josh Duggard. Obviously, Josh Duggard is a, you know, also an abuser. But like, he was clearly a victim. This to me is part of the systemic culture of not knowing things and things being allowed. And then his parents sending him to this fake ass quote treatment situation. Oh yeah. That was ridiculous. And not having any, you know, real treatment or any, but come back. We're doing a magazine shoot. So. Right. Yeah. And then let's sign this TV contract knowing that our child molested his sisters, the television company. I I read the police report today. The television company was warned about it multiple times. They they Mm. they receive facts and emails about it. The police interviewed the sisters and the family before the TV show began shooting. The family fucking knew this shit could come out, and they did not care. Well, what was the thing where they they took Josh to the state trooper that Jim Bob knew? The state trooper sat down, and we told him the story. Josh told him. What we thought at the time was everything he had done. He goes, I'm going to let you go this time. He said, but if you do it again, I'm really going to come down hard on you. Well, we found out later that this guy was a friend of Jim Bob's. That state trooper is now in jail for 56 years because of child pornography? Like, if I'm trying to think of, like, people in Josh Duggar's orbit who are sexually shady as fuck, I'd say, hey, Jim Bob, maybe your friend who's the state trooper that you keep asking for uh, legal advice from Maybe he might be somebody you might want to ask some questions. I think it's probably closer to. than that. But that it, but is anybody else in the home? But they're uncles. I don't know. I don't, they're they're are, uncles. Sure, sure, they're sure, church sure, sure. people. Sure, sure. We just we can't we can't start. No, throwing. but the, yeah, we don't. There's no fucking way that kid is not a victim. But I will say, in situations I've been involved with, sort of in that criminal world, like you, you, you know, I mean, there is most often than not something in that own person's background, some trauma that is leading them to then repeat that trauma. Yeah, because how do you learn how to do it? Yeah. You're that little kid. I mean, that no one's born like with yeah. those, you know what I mean? I mean, maybe some people are, but like, it's, it's like, I don't know. It just, it really strikes me as just like an unanswered question. That's just sort of like this dangling thing. The problem is the cover-up, which then leads him to become a real predator because he's sort of taught like, okay, I guess this is fine. And, and then, of course, he's, he marries this lovely woman and then, what, Toby goes ends up on Ashley Madison and the Ashley Madison League? Yeah, so awesome. Very on brand. <laughs> yep. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember, the family plan was that Josh was not going to tell his, his girlfriend about the molestation until their wedding night. So get married. And by the way, now that we're married, here's something I got to let you know. That's fucking scary. Mm-hmm. It's got a little chivroy aspect to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the whole, the whole now wedding night thing. Now they've signed a million year contract. And that was on film where they like run into the hotel room together with the door closing. Uh, yeah. Like that poor like, fucking woman. I have one final question for you, Toby. Yes. Um, you pointed out somebody who was a star of the documentary who I don't remember. You don't remember him? 
Who's that? So it's the cousin who's talking her husband, like his facial expressions during some of the stuff she's talking about is absolutely freaking hysterical. And then every (laughs) once in a while he kind of pipes in with something. And I mean, he's just basically like, you would not believe this shit. You would not believe this shit. The way that my aunt is so soft-spoken, meek and mild, and just really quiet spirit. Oh, it me And nuts. then stop. Honestly, uh, I would have preferred to have just watched like a five-minute like supercut of just him reacting to <laughs> stuff the whole time. Yeah. And I could have just skipped the whole rest of it. But uh, yeah, he was a hero. I love that guy. Uh, I, I thought he was awesome. I don't want to pack men on the back here, but I'll see that both the spouses there were like the right kind yeah. of supportive. Like Jill's husband. Yeah, like Jill's husband, like totally supportive with them, but also just like kind of sees through the bullshit and yeah. kind of like, you know, they roll their eyes. Like, But Jill's husband was in the cult sure, too. Sure, that's why. Yeah. But it's like, but it was, it, yeah. I, I mean, I can, I can see like, I haven't seen this exact dynamic, but I, I certainly know people who as couples have had to kind of face up against somebody's overbearing family or like strong beliefs that they no longer really buy into. And that, you know, it takes a, a strong union in the couple in order to kind of be supportive of each other and stuff. And I kind of had the sense from watching the two of them is like, we've been through a lot of shit to get to where we are now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, they seemed like they had that sort of trust and mutual support. Um, so yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Like I found, like, I don't know what that dude and I would talk about, but as far <laughs> as the way he was kind of, you know, being, being supportive and, and also like neither one of those dudes like felt the need to talk. Like I, yes. I was thinking that like in this, like with the guys, like, you know, why don't you stay under my umbrella and I'll like do the talking. And these guys are perfectly willing to like chill out in the background and let their wives, tell these stories and then they pipe in every once in a while when they need to, but it's clear that it's not their story, right? It's their wife's story. They're willing to, and they, I'd say willing, but within this culture that we've been been described, that seems like it's a sort of a radical feminist step. Well, the thing about Jill's husband that's interesting to me is he was also in this cult and you see that on film of him, not even, they weren't even allowed to kiss before they fucking got married. Yeah. And the fact that they have seemingly have this really great partnership is interesting, but the impetus for them breaking out of the cult was money. Yes. Go get your money. Because they realized when they left the country and they were even 20 feet away from the family, they had a moment of realization of like, okay, we're independent now. Like, shouldn't we maybe not be living like in a hovel or whatever, because we're like famous on a television show. I know I don't have a television, but I understand. (laughs) And the show's now about us because the rest of the family's so problematic. But we still get paid. Maybe we should have a dishwasher in our apartment. I don't know, whatever their situation was. Yeah. It was fascinating to me. And you can you can judge them all you want for it. I don't. But that the fact that it was something practical like money that made them like wake the fuck up. I'm like, yes. Yes, 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 yes. You will get your fucking money. And if that's what it took to make you wake up, good on you. Good on you. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Shiny Happy People? It is a series about the Duggars and it is on Prime. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Shiny Happy People? Yeah, this is a thumbs up for me. Um, I mean, this is like several different stories within one. You've got the story of this religious cult, the Institute and Basic Life Principles, which sounds like, I, I mean, I don't even know what that is. It's it's like Scientology gone awry. But <laughs> anyway, um, you've got the story of Bill Gothard, who is the founder of that. You've got the story of the Duggar family. You've got the story of Josh Duggar. You've got the story of actually what's happening with these young evangelicals being groomed to infiltrate politics and trying to influence, you know, policy and things that are happening in the country. The thing that I really liked about this was at the end when we now hear from, and we didn't talk about this in review, but I'm going to, it's a kind of a little bit of a spoiler, but we do get some context from members of the family now that they've had some distance and they, in the last section of this, give their perspective. And I thought that was, that was really interesting to see where they all were now. And just overall, this is just, it's a crazy story. I mean, I just, I, you know, I remember the TV show. I remember when Josh got arrested, but there is so much more to it. And uh, you will get the whole story in this documentary. Toby Ball, thumbs up or thumbs down for shiny, happy people. 
So like, as we spoke about in the, in the full review, like I, I really knew nothing about the Duggars other than they had a bunch of kids. I didn't know any about the religious angle or, or anything like that. I mean, part of it's just more interesting to think about than actually watch in that you have what seems like a pretty extreme fundamentalist cult that is being shown on TV and perhaps like the best possible light that it possibly could as almost an example of a, like a way to live, which I guess, I guess it is, but it sort of seems to gloss over. And again, I've never watched an actual episode, but based on this documentary, it seems to gloss over these myriad, myriad problems with the way this religion, this family, all these things are kind of set up. You know, kids are coming out with basically zero functional, useful education. Uh, the gender roles are like like from like 1870 or something. I mean, it's, it's really crazy. And so the idea that this model is being put forward in a, in a fairly positive way, that's an interesting thing about our country because it, it, it seems... It seems kind of extreme to me, quite honestly, this being my introduction to it. Um, so, I mean, the documentary is fine. Um, I, I think they're, the fact that you have especially one woman who's in the family and you also have a cousin who are able to talk sort of very frankly about things that w- went on in that family and, and how their lives were and give some context to it. I thought that was all interesting. It was interesting to see younger people who used to be in it and were now gone and were sort of watching this stuff and reflecting on their experiences. So I, you know, I give it a thumbs up, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's like great, but I, I think it shines. I mean, I was, I wasn't ignorant of like the religious movement necessarily. Like I'd, I'd found out about it in different uh, ways, but the idea that there was this wildly popular show about these people as like kind of heroes and examples to me is freaking nuts. Uh, so, I mean, part of it's my naivete probably, but I, I give it a, I give it a thumbs up. I thought it was good. Kevin Flynn. I'm going thumbs up. You're right, Toby, that like we have this uh, reality show where a lot of America's like, ha, 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 they've got 19 kids and ha, 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 they can't kiss before marriage and they all have to make a whole bunch of laundry. And we haven't really given a lot of thought. You're right. They present this as normal, but we never really get to, you know, into like, well, why are they actually like that? Why are the people in their belief system what do they actually believe? This is just like saying, oh, wow, I love how they make the trains run on time in Mussolini's Italy without looking at anything else about it. Right. That's all they've got here. There's a really interesting crime story behind it, too, about cover ups and about how the, all this fits together. I think unlike the thing we talked about last week, Jared from Subway, there is a lurid sex crime story behind it that we kind of know the outline of. I think we get more of it here and we have a more, it opens up more thoughtful things about not only the crimes within the Duggar family, but also about the, uh, the influences that they are receiving at the, and that's sort of the thing that they're a part of trying to influence American culture with this purity culture. I find it really, really interesting. And it was certainly something that we, we enjoyed watching and, and talking about afterwards. So I'm a thumbs up. I'm a thumbs up too. And one of the things that I think that we didn't really talk about a ton in our review, except for a little bit, uh, you want to know why like Nazism is back in America? It's because America watched 19 Kids and Counting like without thinking about it for many, many years. I'm not joking. That This movement, this quiverful movement is about populating the country with more white supremacists. If you watch any of the material from this IBLP stuff, that is what it is about. It is about propagating white supremacy. It is about subjugating women. It is about all of the things where you look at you look around and you're like, wow, fascism seems to be everywhere. (laughs) Did that start in 2016? No, it did not. It started when we started normalizing this kind of stuff by making it into entertainment. I mean, it really did. I mean, we we laid the path for this by deciding at some point that looking at people like this and thinking, oh, this is cute. This is cool. This is funny. This is all right. 
and not questioning it in any way <laughs> was somehow adorable and somehow not bad uh, and somehow not something to be examined. Like we just uh, I just interviewed two stars of American Gladiators. It was a show on in the 90s. And when that show came out in the 90s, by the way, that show was fucking awesome. The big question in the media was, is this reality competition show involving athletes and backyard warriors? Is this kind of violent reality show going to ruin American culture. No, that via reality show did not ruin American culture. You know what kind of reality show actually is ruining American culture? Fucking 19 kids and counting. We put white supremacists on television for years and ignored the fact that we put a show about white supremacists on television for years. So anyway, I really like this documentary. I think there's a lot of there there. And I thought the Josh Duggar part was going to be like, the main storyline. And I was surprised that there was so much more there. So anyway, a big thumbs up for me for shiny, happy people. So one thing I forgot to say that I'm going to die if I don't say it, the color coordination in those interviews, the beautiful colors where they match like women's hair and their tops to the furniture and the, and the in, rugs. In the Airbnbs or whatever. They, oh my God, it was so beautiful. <laughs> I've never seen that. Anyway. Yeah, they did some good like Beautiful analogous color scheme. Good set decoration yeah. in Sorry. the show. Well, that's good. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime of the week, the crime of the week. A Harvard researcher studying honesty in the business world has been suspended for falsifying her work. Mm. Francesca Gino wanted to know if people would be more honest in their paperwork if they signed their names before they filled them out instead of after they'd done so. Academics have accused her of fudging her own work. Providing evidence someone fabricated results and accessed the computer file to change the data. The collegiate whistleblowers also found evidence of fakery in several of her previously published academic papers. Gino has been placed on leave from Harvard Business School. Panel, it's pretty ironic someone researching dishonesty would be accused of dishonesty. But what were all those people she was studying lying about in the first place? Laura <laughs> Ricker, what do you think? Everything? Um, boy, that's a tough one. I have no idea. Tell you about what do you think all people are lying about in the first place? Kissing before marriage. <laughs> Kevin, what do you think? Whether it was good for them. Listen, it's always their age. It's always 100% yeah. their age. Oh. All right, that's going to do it for us. But before we go, Lara Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? We have something super fun this week. We have Joe the Intern. Joe the intern. Simone Peget's intern. And here is Joe's nomination. Dear Lara Bricker, I heard you were looking for Pet of the Week nominations, and I want to officially throw my hat in the ring. While I'm 100% man on my passport, I'm listed as emotional support animal. <laughs> Hold on. I've got to do the Wait, whole- Wait, Joe submitted shit. himself? Besides, I've noticed over the years that you featured a scooter, a bottle of wine, and an armadillo wearing a turkey costume at Pets of the Week. So I thought, why not me? My sad story turned redemption arc after leaving the military wait, for wait, totally wait. normal reasons. You have to explain who Joe, Joe the is. Joe is a little tall. It's a little like, it's like a Ken doll. It's a very attractive little. He's got big muscles and he's got outfits. When, when, when Simone does like her travel writing, oh. she takes Joe the intern along and sets him up in different you know poses and stuff along the way. So I thought this was an actual person. All right. No, oh, it's, it's, no, it's, it's, it's a little of, doll, You know, it's Toby. the summer of the doll. Okay. You know that, right? This is perfect. Well, bring it on, Joe. This is the Barbie movie and shit. Go ahead. Well, now here's Joe on a trip, and he's got a little pink um, towel on his head with sunglasses. My sad story turned redemption arc. After leaving the military for totally normal reasons, I spent six months living in a Burger King, lost and found box with a bunch of grease-stained My Little Ponies. <laughs> now I have an unpaid position in media where I'm compensated in, quote, experience. My boss, the giant, is a travel writer. So let's just say I know my way around a Zagat guide. You may have also seen my work on Instagram or in the New York Times. Think of me like Flat Toby. If Flat Toby could lift four times his body weight. <laughs> How old am I? Don't worry about it. For the record, I don't remember anything before 1996. The date burned into the flesh on my back. I'd like to keep it that way. The haircuts in the 80s were terrifying. Oh, there's so much about Joe the intern. I, I mean... It's like a coffee table book. Mm -hmm. I will post this 
online, but that is um, Simone. Thank you. This is what I needed this week. Was Joe, Joe the, the intern. intern needs his own fucking Instagram? If you want to see a photo of Joe the intern, Joe the intern, you can follow him on Instagram, or you can check out Wait, our yes, latest newsletter. He does. Newsla- have his own he does. Oh yeah, he does. shit! You can get see a picture of him in, in our uh, newsletter this week. Go to crimewriterson.com and just leave us your email address. You'll get our Thursday newsletter, which includes things like Laura's Cat of the Week, Tweet of the Week, Crime Writers on Behind the Scenes, and the latest Crime Writers on merch. All right, that's going to do it for us. Before we go, and before the lightning strike that we just got an alert about actually hits us, Laura Bricker, folks want to reach out to you with their interns or animals to be pet of the week. How can they find you on social media? They can find me at Laura Bricker. Joe the intern has more followers than me. How many does he have? Rock on, Joe. Uh, 2821 on Instagram. Damn, Joe. Way to go. I know. Toby Ball, if you want to compete for more followers than Joe the intern, how can folks find you on social media? It's the lost at Toby Ball on H. <laughs> Kevin Flynn, what about you? How can you be found? I'm a Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me everywhere on social media, even the places where, like, that are new platforms where I'm not even posting it, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Be the first to follow Rebecca on Blue Sky. Yeah, that's that's not going anywhere, but someone gave me an invite code. So thanks to you who did that. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On, and I encourage you to join our amazing community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. We also have a regular old Facebook page. Just go there. I've pinned the post to join the group. Get episodes early and ad-free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll also get the Crime Writers On After Show, Married with Podcast. Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the terrific Livy Burdett. The executive producer of this fine program is Kevin P. Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement, where we also wear long dresses with pilgrim colors to prevent any eye traps set by the devil. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. We'll catch you later. Lara Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? Didn't we just do that? That was it. That's yeah, what we did, did for the last five minutes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just got very distracted by my fucking thing. Partners in Crime Media.